Thanks for listening to The Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One. Another day, another unknown. It could bring your biggest order yet or a new cyber threat. Whatever happens, Comcast Business will keep you ready with a network that can deliver gig speeds to the most businesses. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Get started with a great offer from Comcast Business. And for a limited time, ask how to get a $650 prepaid card with a qualifying bundle when you buy online. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go to comcastbusiness.com to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 9-21-21. Call or go online for details. All right, in the first half, we'll uh, talk to you about a recap of the barbecue with the offspring playing and play some uh, lovely offspring clips. And I got a nice rant, big-time rant coming up as well. Rotten Tomatoes. First, we'll tell you about Geico. Do you own your rent your home? Will you do one or the other? And then there's your automotive policy. How about you bundle them? Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. So go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save and how easy it is to save at Geico. Geico makes it so easy to get your bundle working. So go to Geico.com today. That is Geico.com and get your bundle on. Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? How the Russian Mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s. Or what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the hosts of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there. We've seen it. And we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field, and we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Back inside the toolbox last month, we lost one legendary bass player, the great Dusty Hill, one of the bearded brothers from that little old band from Texas, Double Z T O P, born in Dallas and dead in Houston. There's nothing more Texas than that. Rest in peace, Dusty Hill. He got on board, left us waiting for the bus. From Corolla One Studios in Glendale, California, this is the Adam Corolla Show. Adam's guest today. Jeff Cesario, with Gina Grad on news, Bald Brian on sound effects, and we'll play the Rotten Tomatoes game. And now, barbecue extraordinaire, Adam Carolla. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. The choice again on Mandy. Get it on. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend. We love that about you. Right, Gina Grad? That's right. And Bald Brian. Dude. Well, uh, we had our uh, Corolla <sighs> family drinks barbecue uh, yesterday. It was a hit oh. by by uh, all accounts. Left it all on the field. Everybody did. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, everyone came out. Uh, we had our tastings. Um, we had our music. Uh, Dawson played. Chris played. And then, of course, the uh, offspring brought the uh, whole thing home. <laughs> <laughs> offspring. Uh, Familiar the first two bands. You're going to have to help me out in the last <laughs> Oh, <laughs> made a little noise in the early 90s. Okay. Had a cult oh, following. Oh, yeah. Local. Sort of local a regional, band. Regional. 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 Yeah, okay. I yeah. was in the Barry at the time, so yeah. I can't. You might have missed it. So, a uh, couple, uh, couple thoughts. Uh, had some fun with these guys. Um, they were all hanging around in, in, the, in the area up front of the. Uh, where we make the docks and Nate's offices and all that kind of the lobby. Little de facto green room. Little de facto green room. Brought their families, brought some drinks, you know, hung out. Uh, and uh, Noodles, uh, the lead guitar player, was sort of uh, picking in a strumming back there, going through his uh, uh, classical guitar back yeah. there. And, uh, you know, it was about five minutes to showtime, and I, I told the band, all right, you know, up on your feet, gather around. 
Time for prayer. I said, uh, we got a festival crowd out there. And it's not an offspring crowd. It's a festival crowd. They're here to see, you know, they're here to see me. But, you know. Here's the whiskey. Here's the me. Right. In that order. You guys are used to playing pubs and kind of smaller venues. You're not used to this kind of festival type crowd. Bringer shows. Right. Right. Bringer shows. Yeah. You got a four wall. So. You know, you, if you look out, you're going to see a lot of people, a lot more people than you're used to yeah. seeing out there. Don't let that throw you. Right. It could be a shock at first. Look down <laughs> and just sort of play within yourselves. You know what I mean? If you yeah. look out, you're going to lose your balance. You're going to freak out. You're going to play too fast. Right. The nerves yeah. are going to kick You're in. on the bill for a reason. Bottom the bill, but you're on the bill for a reason. Right. right. Prove yourself. Right. Yeah. Some people are going to stay around and watch you guys play. And again... You look back, you're going to see 175 people there. Yeah. That's, a, that's a lot of humanity. So just kind of, you know, and by the way, you don't have to look down the entire set or go full Jim Morrison, you know, turning your back, right. but play within yourselves, kind of look down, get a few songs under your belt, get a little momentum, get out there, play the crowd pleasers. Play your game. Don't play any new stuff. Don't no. cover anything. Just sort of stay within your game. Remember to have fun. Right. And and then, you know, as you feel the juices flowing and the nerves subsiding, you can kind of look up and yeah. start mingling and playing yeah. with the crowd a little bit. So that was fun. And then we uh, we all got a hand in. It's good advice. <laughs> and we did that. Uh, so that was uh, that was funny because uh, the band, uh, I don't know if, if it's uh, if Dexter uh, sets the tone, but uh, no more laid back, kind of oh. jovial, friendly thinking man than Dexter Holland. The nicest guy on the planet, and not just to you know us. And he, I, I don't think I was wearing my name tag. Said, "Oh, Gina, hi." I, I was shocked. But even after the show, he was just kind of trying to get a moment to himself. Made the mistake of doing it outside, and all mm-hmm. these people kind of noticed and asked for pictures. And he couldn't have been nicer. Yeah, a lot of where's Dawson, where's Chris? Right. Him having to sort of traffic cop sure, yeah. after yeah. the set. Song, Dexter gets the runoffs. Right, sure. sloppy thirds. I mean, you'll do. Right. So uh, they played. Now, one of the, they played. Uh, I don't know uh, what you would call it, Gina. Uh, Brian, I didn't, were you there for the I Offspring? I missed the Offspring set, but I'm a big okay. Offspring fan, so I know most of their songs. Yeah. So it was like a kind of half acoustic, half plugged in. Yeah. Oh, yeah so satisfying. Overall, an unplugged show, which was incredible because it got them to think outside the box in one of their hit songs noodles busts out the ukulele and people went crazy yes so he bust out for uh, self-esteem and i think we have well maybe we should max pat maybe we should play the record version of self-esteem first just to just to see what it you know to to compare and in contrast Such a great riff. So you have to picture the ukulele in this. Wait, I want to hear. I want to hear the chorus. Soaring. All right. So we'll uh, we'll play you the version with the uh, ukulele. Awesome. I think uh, Dexter was on the acoustic guitar. Yeah. Most the most the show. But the bass was plugged in and the uh, drums were mic'd up. I think that yeah, about they had like, and they had a percussion. He's playing like seashells and like had a, a chime made out of keys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was it was awesome. really nice Rock to see the offspring uh, in this in this venue in this setting. All right, well we'll play a little. Little juice. We'll play it with the sound in a second. Uh oh, we had it before. Oh, okay. Stand by. Little. 
it'll kick in. But um, yes, Gina. Well, it was funny because, you know, I'm um, older as everybody else is when, you know, they were a huge, just just mega star band. And you love the noise and you love how loud it was. And as I get older and more sensitive to noise, I thought... This is the perfect way to see this mm-hmm. band. A little bit acoustic, having fun, kind of like a little tongue-in-cheek, and still rocking. It was perfect. Yeah, and it was nice. Uh, Dexter brought his youngish kids. Mm-hmm. God, uh, three, four-year-old uh, yeah. kids, wow. and everyone was in the wives, and everyone was uh, hanging out and uh, having a good time. And uh, no pretense, no, no. no rock and roll with those guys. I mean, no rock and roll trapping right just good guys but who are good at what they do dexter may have a bone to pick with you i don't think you know about this Mm-mm. so you know how you're pretty loose-lipped with his van and what exactly it looks like and how easy it is oh, to no, identify people taking tours of the van how easy it is to identify in a parking lot <laughs> yes a lot of people taking pictures with the van. <laughs> oh, did he come out in the van? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, why not? Yeah, right. exactly. That? Yeah, right. He's going to take the jet. <laughs> that's his only, uh, yeah, beside a jet, uh, I think that's his only mode of transportation. Yeah. All right. We'll, uh, we'll see if we get the sound queued up here. You guys ready for this? I already prefer this version. (laughs) It was awesome. A lot of drunken fans at this point. Hey, Chris. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. We should probably bring it back around and finish the song out. Yeah, right? let it kick in. It's an Instagram story. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, you got it. You got it. the idea. You got the... Uh, they played all the hits. People mm-hmm. were losing it. It was awesome. The funny thing, too, was when they brought out the ukulele, Noodles was saying that, you know, it was a pre-war ukulele. His dad got it in the Hawaii, uh, in, in the islands. Wow. And then at the end of the show, he smashed it on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have a feeling that was not his grandfather's ukulele. That's rock and roll. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, actually kicked in. They covered one song. They rolled into Iron Man yep. at, they, at some point. They did Box Bore, which you're familiar with because it was a Oh, Born hit. on the Bayou. Sorry, They did too. Born on the they Bayou, too. too. But you're familiar with this one because it's a Jethro Tull song. This is the song he was playing on the guitar. This is Oh, right. And then, yeah. and then led that right into Iron Man, right. which was... The, the greatest disparity you could ever ask for. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's also nice. Like, Noodles was back in the uh, green room, for lack of a better term. And he was, like, sitting there. And, you know, the band was they, they, the kids. And they were laughing. And Dexter was standing around having a good time. And I was showing him some cars and everything. And then, like, at some point, Noodles went, uh, I, I got to warm up. And I was like, you don't have to warm up. <laughs> this, no, one, no, one, no one cares. And he's like, nah, I, I got some stuff I want to do, and I want to I want to work on it a little bit. And he him. sat back there with his acoustic guitar, oh. and he was like trying to do. He was doing this riff, yeah. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, the band's been uh, huge for 25 years, and um, but he wants to go work on some stuff yeah. at this non-paying, yeah. nothing barbecue event. And that's a good sign. Like, we should always kind of have that, look, who cares you're playing a stadium or who cares you're playing in front of 150 drunken barbecue guys for free? Like, uh, I'd like to get out there. And also, what you don't want, if you're the offspring... Because, again, you know, pretty easy to mail it in. But what you don't want is, like, people walking away going, "Eh, you know, how's the offspring? They're okay. I bet in a bigger venue would be good. Right, right. Now, just just have one mode. The the one mode is show up and perform and knock it out of the ballpark mode. So uh, they were great. And then um, you hung out with them a little bit uh, afterward and uh, now it's time to clean up the beer cans. Speaking of cleaning up the beer cans, I never appreciated ever. I've been to a million live events, a billion concerts, and not until last night did I ever really appreciate the hype man at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Dawson pops up there, a little buzzed, and does like a, a sort of a, a, a an encore, if you will. A back sell. Yeah! Just like having everybody thank you and had a great time. I love the end of show hype man. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I do as well. And uh, Dawson uh, remarkably skilled up on stage. <laughs> remarkably. With the, with the microphone thank and you. a couple of. I say he's done it before. A couple <laughs> Surprisingly. of. Surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Drew was there. Yeah. Mark Garagos yep. was there. Um, so the, Garagos with a, with a, with a, 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 a Name cigar, tag. Oh, a yeah. cigar poking out of his yeah, pocket. Of course. Yeah. Oh, Stubing! Dr. Drew is wearing Captain Stubing's jacket from the Love Boat, which fit him like a glove. It does fit yeah. nicely. Yeah. Dr. Drubing. So, uh, Dr. Drubing. So, I saw that online. Oh, uh, okay. I stole that. Still, he, still funny. He looks like an orchestra conductor. Yeah, so uh, he showed up. Everyone was there. A good time was uh, had by, by one and all. Studs. Me, uh, Mark, and uh, Drew all dressed in the exact same mm-hmm. outfit. Yeah, you look like a boy band. I thought the... Uh, <laughs> The, I thought about it because everyone's like, you wore the same thing. I was like, because there is no such thing as men checking to see what other men will wear that's in true. advance. That's a that's strictly a female thing, mm-hmm. possibly a gay thing, mm-hmm. but I do not think it's a it's a dude thing. I think we're all wearing the same blue shoes, jeans, yep. and navy blue tops. Yep. <laughs> Although Drew's wearing some leather shoes, yeah, good guys. There's uh, there's nothing. I mean, you know. Um, I don't know if people know that Garagos and Drew go back uh, 40 years, you know, plus. Pasadena history? Pasadena, La Cunata, Mm -hmm. like prep school stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, they, when I say 40 years, I don't mean 40 years. I mean 50 years. I mean, it's uh, it's nice. And it's nice that... uh, is, as I always uh, say, you know, they're thick as thieves. They they love seeing each other. They love hanging out. Sometimes people know each other a little too long. There's uh, some some baggage that accumulates. Sure. I don't want to talk to that guy. No, not out there. All right. Uh, we have, let's see. It was nice to see a lot of familiar faces, especially oh, yeah. in lieu of like a cruise last year or whatever, or even the barbecue last year. Like, oh, you, how you been for the last year yeah. plus? A lot of cruisers, by the yeah, way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 nice. You uh, you know, we come here every day. We sit in an empty room. We talk into a microphone, and uh, it's always nice when you run into this. I, I came here. I brought my dad. We've been Father's listening to every team, show. Yeah. A lot of uh, this, which is always nice. Like you got me through some hard times. Yeah. I was going through a tough time a couple of years ago with a divorce or job or whatever it is, and uh, you guys really helped me. Yeah, it's always nice. Um, <clears throat> I have. Uh, couple of other clips to play one thing that uh so me and drew and garagos all sort of jumped in on a quick uh, impromptu reasonable doubt or beyond a reasonable doubt at the barbecue 20 minutes yeah we just (laughs) oh nice showed up here and everyone just sort of filed into the studio and we just kind of uh knocked it out but um beatles beatles style surrounded by fans on the rooftop Yeah, there's a, an interesting uh, Newsome clip that I kind of forgot about from uh, when I interviewed him eight years ago that uh, I think we can – well, I'm trying to think. Maybe we'll play that in the second the second break, yeah? All right. Uh, the first one, uh, clip I want to play you guys, uh, speaking of a uh, reasonable doubt, is uh, at some point when we're taping it a few days back, at maybe the 40-minute mark uh, – 
Mark had to jump and go to court. You know, he, we grab him. He's usually got an hour, but sometimes mm-hmm. he's got to head back into mm-hmm. into court. You'll notice that effective people like uh, Mark Garagos and uh, myself on occasion at Dr. Drusus, you know, they squeeze things in between things where you don't think there's space. You know, they'll just go, well, we get a lunch break from one to two. I'm down at the courthouse, so let's knock it out at one. And then at some point. He gets pulled back mm-hmm. in a few minutes early, but I believe he interrupted his own hearing to be a guest with Brian and I one time yeah. when we were hosting. He made the right choice. He did. Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, I think people look at it as this like big sort of calorie burner, but it's interesting because in Mark Garagus's mind, or in Drew's mind, and sometimes in my mind, this thing where people go, "Well, don't you want a break?" Like, don't you want an hour for lunch or some? And in 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 Mark Garagus's mind, that's downtime. Yeah, it's it's not. I don't feel like he feels like he's working. I think people uh, people look at work as in the work they do. They sort of look at it as a like working out. Like you just ran on the treadmill for an hour. Don't you want to break? You know, get something to drink. Yeah, dab your forehead, and like you can get back on it. But they don't look at it as a treadmill. You don't They're understand. Not I'm always on the treadmill. Right. The tread. That's their <laughs> I'm life. Running the right. whole time. So they like. Well. Yeah, they like that. Right. So, um, well, sorry, I gotta throw this in because we're talking about Mark. To that point, and I think this is like you would say it's probably Jimmy Kimmel mode. Sunday morning. You know, I'm just kind of waking up, and I'm looking at some news. And it's a little early, and it's Sunday. I get a text from Mark Garagas. Mm-hmm. I go, what is this? He had a question about the wedding and wanted to make sure he didn't miss the RSVP date. <laughs> right. First thing on a Sunday morning. How? Why would that even be on his mind? Well, you know, the adage of if you want to get something done, give it to someone who's oh. busy. There is no truer adage Amazing. than that. Because... I grew up around the unbusy crew, and they would say, like, oh, it's Sunday morning. We got to decompress. I just don't feel up to. I don't. As I said, my mom has three modes. She has feels a cold coming on, Mm -hmm. has a cold, just got over a cold, and then we'll go back to the first one. Another one. One reason why you, you ain't getting driven to the airport. All right. So Mark had to jump which left me with about 15 minutes left to kind of filibust. And I was just sitting in here going, well, I don't know what we're talking about. And then uh, Gary brought up uh, Mike Richards, the Jeopardy mm-hmm. host that was the longtime producer who has mm-hmm. to now step down because of some podcast comments he made earlier in his mm-hmm. lifetime. And uh, I will I will play you guys uh, that 12-minute uh, uh, rant. Someone tweeted me and said, Played on ACS, so it can get in the running for rant of the year. <laughs> oh, is that? I was talking the judges. Is that allowed? Yeah, no. You, I don't Andrew, know. The movie only has to run in, what, two theaters yeah, exactly. to be considered for an Oscar? Right. All right. So I'll let you guys hear that. Well, here's here's the thing. Um, nobody shall survive under the current measuring stick that we're using for morality. Now, if we recalibrated it as I've been suggesting for a long time, then you could survive. So nobody, there's no such thing as somebody that doesn't have an ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend is not going to tell some shitty story about them or some drunken tweet or some late night sexting that got screen grabbed or a podcast where uh, someone had a couple of drinks and started flapping their gums a little bit. That that's impossible. The the standard is the standard's impossible. It's not really it's their standard. It, the notion that and, and also context is everything, because if you're having a, a conversation with someone and someone is laughing and you're laughing and there's a context to it, that's fine. If, if you're going to read the transcript of it, it's going to sound like a hate crime, you know, and we've somehow decided that the words were now on a par with actions. Like we're, we're, we're getting to a point where if you go out and you throw a Molotov cocktail at a squad car or try to burn down a police precinct or you're some Antifa guy and you want to just go punch a reporter in the face, uh, yeah, we can kind of deal with that. But if you sent out a tweet and there was something that was 
anti-Semitic in it or you called Lizzo fat, then we have no tolerance for that. So we're com- we've, we've, we've prioritized ourselves into a corner. We're in a bizarre place where we've decided that words or jokes are as powerful or actually more powerful than actual physical actions, which is an insane place to be. It can only be dreamt up by assholes who went to college. This is all college. This is is all moving away from the tangible world into the ether of ideas. So when you have people like this country, this country used to be filled with, you know, farmers and carpenters and engineers and builders and, you know, just secretaries and you know people showed up somewhere, did a job. Still is, I would argue. They're just not on Twitter. Well, no, here's here's what I'm here's what I'm saying. You go back 100 years. 86% of Americans had some fucking job where they had to put shit together. Sure. Like you sure. worked at a train, you worked on trains or something, you know, you were laying track, you yeah. were doing stuff, you, you know. go to a place and do a thing, go to a place and do a thing. And they weren't college educated. They were like educated on a farm, right? The farm was get up at five, slop hogs, milk cows, men fences, fix tractors, make dinner, breakfast, you know, go back out, slaughter, something like super nuts and bolts. Okay. Now you fast forward to it. What percentage of Americans work in a sort of mechanical putting things together realm versus uh, I work for an advertising firm and I have ideas. You know what I mean? Like this, the, the, the world, the digital world versus the analog world. There's more and more people graduated from college College is a place you don't do manual labor in college. You sit around and think of you have ideas. So now we have the large group of people who went through the college system and then they go right from there to working somewhere in Silicon Valley or the New York Times or into some sort of digital landscape. Uh, when you put people in the ether of the digital, they no longer are able to think mechanically. Mechanical people understand that punching a cop's horse at some Antifa rally is much worse than a tweet that crossed the line. But if you're in the digital world, the tweet represents just as much as the physical world because you're not in the physical world. The physical world doesn't exist to you and you look down on the physical world. You you drive around, you see those guys doing the road crew work when it's hot outside and you go, those poor suckers. Look at those suckers. Uneducated. Suckers. Not college educated. Uneducated. I'm college educated. I have ideas. So all your fucking ideas move into the realm of the digital. In the invisible realm of the digital, a tweet is just as dangerous as a balled up fist in the face. I would argue that those people think it's more dangerous oh, more because dangerous. it can be right. spread around the world and infect countless people, whereas that's one horse that got punched. Right. So the guy throws the Molotov cocktail. By the way, they're never outraged at, at large groups to try to burn down cop precincts in Portland. You ever hear any outrage about that? No, but you send one off-color tweet, and now we're fucking outraged. So they have it 100% backwards. They don't have it 73% backwards. They are fucking backwards. That's what they have. So their plan is forget about anybody who rioted in Portland and tried to burn down a police precinct or municipal, uh, judge, judge, judge building or whatever, whatever that is a courthouse. Forget about that. We got to go after the guy who wants to host Jeopardy. Yeah. That's right. Building we we got to go after federal bill. We got to go after Matt Damon. We got to go after the guy who used to host The Bachelor. They're 100% wrong. Now, there is a other group that sits back and is scared of these pussies. And that's really where the problem is. There should be large swaths of people telling them to shut the fuck up, not apologizing. They're, they're essentially kids that have gotten their way too much and they're on a fucking roll. People need to step up and pipe up. This is what I've been saying for 10 years. I yell it at Dr. Drew all the time. He's come around. It's not their fault. It's your fault. Stop apologizing to them. Stop listening to them. Stop kowtowing to them. Stop bending to them. They're nothing. 
They don't. They barely exist. There's ten guys. So I was screaming about on my podcast the other day. How many Latino people want to be called Latinx? Zero. Zero percent. Emmy, you can pipe up here if you want. I absolutely hate that term. Okay. Why are we talking about Latinx? Because a handful of fucking white people told us we had to. Is it their fault? No, it is not their fault. They are fucking narcissistic pricks who won't, who do not recognize a finish line. It is not their fault. Everybody in the Latina community, Latino, Latinx, Latino, Chicano, everyone fucking pipe up and tell them to shut the fuck up. And the rest of the white people need to tell them to shut the fuck up. Because look no further than Latinx. It's, somebody invented this word called Latinx 19 months ago. For some reason, it's a thing, except for no Latino wants to be called Latinx, and three-quarters of the white people don't give a fuck either. So how has it got traction? Because we let them get traction. We let them do it. Because we're scared. Because if you said, I don't want to call anyone Latinx, oh, then you're a racist. So now shut up, and now the five people with the fucking bullhorn get their way. Well, what I'm saying is, people, it's not their fault. They're doing what they would do. What do you fucking think the Taliban does? They do as much as we let them do. Well, look at them. These guys are barbarians. They're beheading women. They're throwing acid in the face of schoolgirls just for reading. They're attacking. Yes, they're doing what they do. It's our job to kill them. It's our job to shut them down. They will keep doing what they keep doing. This is it. This is this is everything. They will tear down every statue. They will come up with a new name for Latino every 10 minutes. They will start adding letters to the LGBTQ community. They'll add three letters. You fuckers don't go along with it. Don't go along with it. That's what I'm saying. Stop it. It's your fault. You're letting them do it. I've been yelling about this. I've put a fucking trash can over my head and yell into it for 10 fucking years. I'm not doing it. Thankfully, fucking five people have woken up and they're starting to knock it off. You know, when you lost Bill Maher, you're losing. You're losing the, the mainstream, the core of your constituency. You're losing them now. But you've lost even Bill Maher at this point. Please. Stop going along with this fucking idiocy. And yes, you will be called a racist. They call black people racists who disagree with them. They call Larry Elders and Uncle Tom, Candace Owens a racist. Of course, they'll call everyone. There'll be a middle-aged fucking blue-eyed white chick calling Candace Owens a racist because she doesn't go along with their horse shit. Please, there's no end, people. Just fucking stop going along with it. Just stop it. Stop it. Tell my fucking son every 10 seconds, take your, when you go to school, take your mask off. Make them tell you 3,000 times to put your mask on every day. Every day. Do what Mike August does. Every commercial flight, have them tell you 1,500 times before you take off to put your mask back on. Just fucking do it because these people don't stop. There is no end game for them. Oh, they, do they love masks? Do they love Latinx? What do they love more, Latinx or mask? You want to know what the answer is? They don't give a fuck about either one of them. They want to tell you what to do. They want to tell you what to do. What? What? By the way, what happened? Where was your obsession with masks? You know, two years ago, you didn't see a guy coring concrete by the side of the road and pull over and go, "Hey, it's a dust cloud." What about all the Latinx gardeners that are there with their fucking leaf blowers, not wearing a mask in your yard? Bitch, did you care about his lungs? Oh no. Now, all of a sudden, everyone cares. Oh, we care about masks. We care about Latinx. We care about all the letters in LGBTQ. Well, we care about the the refugees. We care about everything. You don't care about fucking shit. You care about telling people what to do. And they will keep going, people, and they will never stop. Is there any indication that they're willing to pump the brakes or stop when it comes to telling you what to do? No. No. Okay. So tell them to fuck off. That's it. That's all we can do. Fuck you. We're not doing everything you told us to do. And by the way, historically, are you right? What, 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 what's, what's correct? What, what, what do you know that we don't know? Take COVID. When have you been right? What do you, what do you know? Do you know anything? Is there some history of you being right? You're a maniac if you thought the thing escaped from the lab a year ago. Now what? You were a maniac if you were for hydroxychloroquine or any of these 
therapeutics. Now what? What? What do you know that we don't know? You don't know jack shit. Just like you don't know Latinx isn't a real fucking word. You just scared people because they think it's racist. And by the way, if you don't think it's racist, they use race to control you. And that's why they fucking infuse it into everything. They've, they've somehow figured out a way to take climate change and race and connect it in the last 20 minutes. So there is COVID and race, everything and race, fucking a meatball sub and race. You guys have connected everything. Please, human beings, stop listening to these fucking anarchists. They're miserable. They don't have hobbies. They have nothing on their plate. They're bored as shit. And their new hobby is controlling your ass. Don't let them be successful. All right. So possible nominee for rant of the year let me tell you first about uh, tommy john apollo tommy john's newest and most advanced men's underwear performance grade dry release fabric blend exclusive to tommy john oh man you can't get it anywhere else apollo men's underwear proven to keep you drier and up to seven degrees cooler than regular cotton underwear no more flopping and sticking and chafing soft supportive stretches uh, to be the perfect fit available uh, in sizes up to 4XL, over 15 million pairs sold. Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. Nobody here who got their Tommy Johns, and this goes for everyone here and Drew and the aforementioned uh, Mark Harris. Once you get them, you, you will not go back. And like all Tommy John underwear, Apollo comes with the best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free. Guarantee, right, Dawson? Right now, get 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Adam. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Adam for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash Adam. See site for details. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back and play some Rotten Tomatoes, have some other stuff for you right after this. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know. It's hard work out there, owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. For Nicaraguan Name That Movie with Adam's buddy Oswaldo. See if you can guess which movie this famous line is from. Hey, Dr. John, your time for law, we be go company. If you said Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Hey, Dr. Jones, no time for love, we got company. You're correct. Now, back to the show. Well, we got the Rotten Tomatoes game. I saw Suicide Squad, so I have uh, thoughts on that. As did I. As well. I'm curious. uh, We'll compare and contrast notes. You want to do a Baldywood on that like tomorrow or something? We can talk about it? Yeah, okay. No, if you want to do a Baldywood on it, we can. Spoiler alert, I liked it quite a bit. We can do that. Would you guys like polka dot man on this show that'd be, be very fucking awesome yeah, i love, love david Dustmall. i i've known him since i was three years old really yeah, he's, from, he's from overland park we went to high school together i've known him for my entire life so did you recognize done. he's a character actor yeah been, you know, it was a, a great, dozen things great part of the movie very interesting and innovative and creative and so polka dot man would be fun and uh yeah just the whole thing i, I we'll get into it tomorrow we'll Sweet. do that all right. Uh, so when I told you guys I was talking to uh, Drew and Mark Garagos, I was um, because Newsom's being recalled. Some people are grabbing some clips of me grilling Newsom in here eight years ago, and they've been playing little bits and clips of it. And I thought, yeah, I haven't listened to that thing in a long time. And there's the part that people grabbed and put out and tweeted, but then there's other parts to it. And I figured out that. He discusses the homeless problem. Oh. And he discovered he discusses the homeless problem in some detail. And of course I'm a dick about it the whole time. But this is eight years I don't know if eight years plus or just about eight years eight years old. But it's kind of interesting to have then Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom eight years ago, which is, you know, 
things have spiraled out of control oh, yeah. vis-a-vis the California and Los Angeles homeless problem in the last few years. But eight years ago, we were sort of toward the beginning of it. It was an issue. But it would have been nice eight years ago to kind of uh, nip it in the bud. Yeah. Have a chance. Yeah, and uh, this is uh, this is our back and forth on on it. Now, there's a couple things to listen for. One, uh, he declares himself the the sort of ambassador of the homeless problem. Like that's his thing. Oh, that's, that's his number he's the one. Homeless, yeah. Okay, so we know he's going to get right. Yeah. And then we get to some of the causes of the homeless problem. Here it is. Most people should not be having kids if they're working minimum wage jobs. Do you agree with that? Yeah, well, I mean, if, if, if that's what they set their sights to do exclusively in their life, is to work minimum wage jobs, it would be very difficult. But in a free society yes. where you don't want interference of government, they have every right to make whatever decision they feel is right. appropriate uh, in their life. They don't want interference of government, but they want free lunches after they shit out the kids. Well, it That's the, the government. Yeah, the poor kid, though, is sitting there. Oh, trying, well, now they what do, you do want do the, the government. No, well, wait, I thought the kid, they didn't want the government. What are you going to do with that poor kid? You don't want that poor kid out in the streets and sidewalks panhandling five years later committing crimes. You want to take care of that poor bloke. That's right. not his fault or her fault. It's a parent's no. fault. All right, feed so him and sterilize him. I agree with you. No, that's just for pigeons in San Francisco. <laughs> no. if you want controversy? That's controversy. Is that what you call homeless people then? No, that's not. <laughs> I'd say, hey, by the way, that was my issue, homelessness, and my passionate efforts His yeah. issue. Homeless. That's an issue that no one cares about. In this yeah, I care deeply. Well, listen, I, 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 the thing about homeless people is they're either junkies or they're crazy or they're both. This notion of like the guy's a hardworking, God-fearing family member who lost his job and now had to take to the streets is total and utter yeah, bullshit. Yeah, but what about the picture of real fa- homelessness? Real. There's a poor mom with two kids with a husband who took off and left her, who's sitting there struggling on that minimum wage job, and all of a sudden now is out in the streets and sidewalks desperately trying to find some help, get her life back, can't get those kids into that's, childcare. I think that's what happened to Jewel. Can't afford them. That's, that's the tough that, thing. Yeah, that's and tough. And that's a picture of family homelessness that's, in this that's, country. That, no, that's, that's a postage stamp. No. The, the real picture is bigger than the AIDS quilt and those are crazy junkies. Yeah, but no, so what, no, see, I will challenge you on this. No. This, you know, what you're talking about is the chronic homeless, which is the picture we have of homeless, which is right. a relatively small percentage. It's the picture. It's a relatively small percentage. struggling with drug or alcohol addictions, duly diagnosed with bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, now self-medicating with drugs and alcohol and the like. they got vocational issues, physical issues, etc. And those folks should be treated as a separate category, and I don't disagree with that. But the vast majority of homeless are not in that category. Vast. They're bunked up with family and friends. Uh, there are three or four folks living in an SRO unit. I've seen it where an entire room is just a mattress, and people are literally doing shifts, and folks are working hard. They may be out in that street corner selling those flowers, but damn it, at least they're out there doing that, not waiting in line, handing for handouts on that same corner. So they're trying to make a go of it and trying to make their family uh, proud of them and give them a sense of, of dignity and self-worth. And to me, that's the American dream. Well, that's well, and I want to support that. Listen, I want to support it too, but not to the extent where it carries on into the next generation. I Whoa. get your point. I want everybody to plan. Look down the road six months. Yes, your husband lost his job. That's why you need to sock away some money when he's gainfully employed. Yes, they foreclosed on your home. That's why you need to have a network, a community, right. friends, family members, money put away. I got it, but think about Don't it, Adam, have the half, kids. Half of African Americans in the state of California, roughly half of Latino families, have no access to a checking account. Or an ATM. Things we take for granted. They don't have a check. What's cash. wrong with them? And what, what, right. what, we know this riff. Half, by the way, he's lying his fucking head off. Well, Half a lot of those numbers were inverted throughout access. his entire monologue. Some crossover. Right. But so he thinks the face of homelessness, I mean, the real body, like I'm saying. The vast majority. It's drugs and it's mental you know, these people are mentally unstable. He says that's a small right. population. The large is the mother of three who's working full time, but at a minimum wage. Sure. And then the father leaves and she's on the street with her three kids. There's no doubt that's an element, but it's, it's, it's a small fraction. But it's, it's totally anecdotal. We live here. What do we see every day? Do we see her? Or do we see? No, I else? never. I never see kids. I see, and he's like, "Well, no, you're talking about the chronic homeless. I'm talking about the real problem, right. which is people sofa surfing or whatever. People say couch surfing, but you have alliteration yes, right, right there. there. It's yeah. Sofa, yeah, sofa surfing. It's like, um, I feel like um, 
I feel the same way uh, with school to prison pipeline. There's a better way to, to, to there's more alliteration left on the table there. But the point is, is so what has he done? He has not identified the problem for reasons that are unknown to me. I don't know why. Why is it political suicide to just say, here's what is going on and then attempt to do it? So he's taken the homeless problem eight years ago. Remember, nobody's that's his issue. That's his issue. That's his thing. Nobody. uh, By the way, him saying like homelessness, that's my that's my issue over the last eight years. I wouldn't trumpet that. It'd be like me saying, oh, oh, you guys talking about carpentry? I'm a carpenter. I'll tell you what. I put doors on the ceiling. <laughs> what? I take the crown and put it in the base. That's and I think that's my thing. It's like, Bleh. boy, have you fucked this thing up 10 ways a Sunday. He takes the problem homelessness and turns it in. He, he, he gets this little niche group, which is not what we observe. We observe crazy people flopping on the street and living in refrigerator boxes and then turns it into something else and then says that's what we need to focus on and then says the group which is 96 percent of homeless people oh let's not worry about that group let's worry about the mother three chronic homelessness right yes that's the problem may we address that (laughs) right all right so uh we got uh that uh, little blast from the past. Shall we? Uh, shall we play some rotten tomatoes yeah. while we're here? Listen to that noise. It's a high falsetto voice that can only mean one thing, and you can feel it. Got some names of flicks, and the gang makes their picks, guessing if it's rotten or fresh. If they guess it is. All right, so after an entire year of digital learning, campuses are finally opening back up, and kids are once again learning in the classroom. That's right, it's every kid's worst nightmare. Summer is over, it's back to school time. So all of these movies have that subject. Well, I suppose the nightmare could be even worse. Your teachers could be body snatching aliens. That's what happens in this high school horror thriller that was tailor made for the MTV generation. (laughs) The cast ranges from Josh Hartnett to Salma Hayek to Jon Stewart. And all the campy violence was orchestrated by director Robert Rodriguez from 1998. The Faculty. I truly enjoy this movie. I don't know if everyone else did. I really like it, yeah. It's got a great cast. So, of course, it's got um, all the adult stars. Jon Stewart, Selma Hayek, Robert Patrick, uh, uh, on and on and on. And then it's got all these kids who weren't Jordana Brewster, Usher, before they were known Mm -hmm. to anybody. Elijah Wood. It's funny, that little window where we were going to make Jon Stewart into (laughs) a leading man. Mm. It was all there. Yeah. I just I don't think he was that into it. Yeah. But it was sort of like, well, here's what you do. Now you do this. Yeah. And Transition. he was like at the time no one knew who Stephen uh oh sorry, not Colbert, Stephen Carell uh, even yeah. was. But they were like, John Stewart, you must yeah. star in movies. And it's just like I, I no doubt he could have done it. He just I don't think he felt like it. Famke Jansen's in this, like Piper Laurie's in this. All, all the right. Greats. With this new console, I'm a little worried that Brian may be sneaking a peek. I was gonna say, I gotta hide. Yeah, I gotta hide my, gotta hide my numbers here. Uh, Creative movie, fun movie. Maybe Brian saw it at a at a tender age. I've seen it since then, and uh, it's it's fun, and it's got the right tone. Adam, are you gonna listen to any of this bullshit? No, no, I. But I don't know. I mean, it it was has a good cast. It's good. Okay. Good kind of thing. Critics would think was fun. All right, is that one locked in? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, I'm going to say uh, Just Fresh at 63. Yeah, I'm just above you at 68. This is a fun movie. I don't think the critics went for this. I've been burned too many times by Brian, 39. No. The faculty is rotten. Thank what? you. At 55. Oh, okay. right, right for a movie there. like this to get 55, this is a fun movie. And dead on because the audience had the same. 55 and 55, you rarely see that, but okay. Next up, you can't talk about going back to school without bringing up the Rodney Dangerfield comedy oh, Back to movie. School. Dangerfield stars as Thornton Mellon, 
An uneducated, self-made millionaire decides to sign up for college in support of his anxious son. Film also features a young Robert Downey Jr. from 1986. Back to school. I've seen this movie a hundred times. I have seen this movie zero times. <laughs> really? I've never seen it. And Sally Kellerman. And, oh, it's great. Well, it's no meet Wally Spark. <laughs> that was his Wait, seminal moment. Good or bad? <laughs> um, this is going to yeah, be a tough one for me. I, I love a, this movie. Oh, and, uh, and uh, Zabka. Always the bad guy in it. Billy, you know, yeah. Billy Zabka. I, I have a bad taste in my mouth with Ronnie because, like what I said, he did Love Line and I just went to his uh, dressing room. I would always go into everyone's dressing room and just go, hi, I'm the host, you know, have fun, you know, say whatever you want. I was always encouraging people, sure, you know, sure. don't feel like me and Drew have to talk the whole time. Just chime in, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Say whatever. You can do no wrong. He was just like in his silk bathrobe, <laughs> naked, oh. with his uh, flip flops on, like smoking weed or, you know, and I just like went back there and he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, <laughs> I'm just, I host the show, so... You know, have a good time just saying hi. And he's like, so what are you here for? Oh, my God. And I'm like, I'm just saying hi. You know, have a good time. Oh, okay. Like, it was like one of those things. And then uh, <laughs> later on, he couldn't do the promos, which take 18 seconds because he said he, he had to get a haircut. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he's sitting in the chair. And as soon as the show wraps, the producers run out with the cue car and they go, uh, just say, uh, hey, my name's Ronnie Dangerfield. Watch me tonight on MTV. And then there's another one that says, uh, watch me tomorrow night on right. MTV, and maybe a third that says this week on right. MTV or something. So it's a promo thing. It's like, I, I'm not, I don't got time. That's awesome. <laughs> we're like, why? You're here. You got your makeup on. We're, we're, we're rolling right now. And he's like, I got to get a haircut. And the amount of time it took us to have this I know. exchange, I know. we knocked out three of them. So uh, people remember this movie as a funny movie, but they don't. That this is a this is one of those movies you see when you're 14 Indeed. and you think it's the funniest movie yes. ever. A lot but, of Oingo Boingo in it. But the adult critics don't see it the same way. You yeah. have it. God, this was funny. Like if you <laughs> see, there's that. <laughs> There's that little puberty kind of window. It's like a kind of window between like 12 and a half and 16 where you see a comedy. You go, oh, that's so dirty, rotten scoundrels. It's like the funniest movie ever. But go back and watch it through your adult lens. You know, it did become a Tony Award winning musical. It did. Yeah. Dirty Run Schedule's not back to school. Oh, and I yeah. see your Schwartz is as big as mine. There are certain right. movies you see in your youth <laughs> that you're attached to. All right. All right. So this, you know, made good box office, put Rodney on the map as sort of a leading man, you know, you know, guy could carry a feature kind of star. But I just I don't feel like the critics love him. He's, he's a lovable underdog. Yeah, he's a big you know, multi-millionaire and he wants to show his son you could do anything, so he's going to go back to college and do it with him. But he's a millionaire and he you know cuts corners and son doesn't like that. God, I don't know. Um, I'll go... I'm, I'm somewhere between 55 and 63. <laughs> oh, wow. I'll just go... I'll just go right back to 55, the last score. A little lower at 48. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm tired from the barbecue. I'm sticking with my 39 as much as I love this movie. You're too tired to write down the numbers. <laughs> back to school is fresh <gasps> at 86%. Wow. Rodney, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. And the people have it at 68. Now, what, since when does a screwball comedy yeah. like this? It, I think this... <laughs> Touched a nerve with the critics who felt like nerds in college. You know, if you're a film mm, uh-huh, critic, uh-huh. you were not the bell of the ball in college. That is what this movie's about. Coming back yes. and okay. putting those yes. jock bullies yes. in their place. You know, I I'm think surprised. it struck a. It's definitely struck a chord with I, the critics. I've never been happier to be wrong. All right, here we go. Next up, we got a rom com about a high school hotshot who has six weeks to gain the trust of a nerdy outcast and help her become the next prom queen. Yes. Luckily for all of us, that nerd is played by a smoking hot Rachel Lee Cook at the height of her powers. While it's about to be remade for Netflix with a gender swap cleverly called He's All That. The original co-stars Freddie Prinze Jr., Paul Walker, and Matthew Lillard. From 1999, She's All That. Another one of your everyone gets a shot at the apple. Everyone gets a shot at the apple. It's like, all right, well, let's see if this sticks. thought it was going to be... can't buy me love. Mm. All right. I have no idea. Oh, I didn't, God. This was, yeah. I didn't see it. 
Um, Surprisingly good. Really? <laughs> me, me and Jimmy were in one of these Freddie Prince Jr. movies what? from the 90s. Yeah, when they were doing this whole rom-com thing. They did a whole man show dream sequence or something. Oh. Man show was weird. It was, you know, it's cable show, but it was like fairly ubiquitous. Like people, you know, knew what the reference right. was. It's called Down to You. Down to You. Was that Freddie Prince Jr. after this? Yeah, I, yeah. I think Down to You is 2000. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds, sounds right. about right. And this is fitting. Isn't he married to Sarah Michelle Geller? when they both kind of like, weren't they both at the height of their powers at the same time? I couldn't tell you. I, I think they're married. I think so. All right. So um, <laughs> probably not fresh, but, you know, likable. I don't know. Likable and uh, what could it be? I'm... Guys, uh, guys, in? Oh yeah, Gina, you don't have to write down a new number. All right, I'm gonna say 39. <laughs> I think Gina might have said 39 too. I indeed did. I went a little lower, 31. I think the critics destroyed this. Sticking with my trusty 39. It's worked out so far. Yeah, <laughs> she's all that is rotten. What? At 40. Oh, oh well, finally, I'll take it. it. I needed that. All right, I think I'm in the catbird seat here. In our next film, Robin Williams. Wait, plays. we have a Wait. clip of um, Freddy. Freddy and the Man Show. He's having a dream. Water, it's what I wanted. Because watching commercials. Watching TV up there. And... Doing a send up of like a Mexican soap. They used to do a lot Thank of those. You. Take care. Is that Julia Stiles? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Selma Blair. Wow. Selma Blair. Selma. Man back show. To the man show. Tonight's topic, men who wear the skirts in their relationship. Let me introduce you to our guest, Al Connolly. We didn't film Al it on the set. even get sex from show. his own girlfriend. Pathetic. <laughs> You're still in college, right? Yeah. Only going out for a year? No, uh, for a while. It's not every night. What do you plan to do with your life? What are you studying there in college? Well, I'm studying liberal arts, but I want to be a chef. I see. So you're bi, but you eventually want to go gay. Very ambitious. <laughs> man, show you camera what kind man. of chef do you want to be? It's French cuisine. It's- French cuisine. <laughs> oh, cuisine. First of all, it's food, all right? Yeah, right? That's your problem right there. You're not much of a guy, Al. I gotta no, say. I'm trying to respect her. <laughs> Al, can I... By the way, can I call you Alice? Some acting chops being displayed there. Not being respected. That's what they respect, right, Jimmy? <laughs> Let's go to the audience, see if they have any questions for Al. All right. You. <laughs> seen enough. Hey, Al. Yeah. The, uh, quite a scene. Quite a scene, yeah. I remember. I had no idea what we were doing when we filmed that. I just should have showed up. But um, the, uh, it's funny that Jimmy's making fun of him for wanting to be into cuisine and yeah. food. Yeah, Jimmy's all about foodie. He's the biggest foodie on the planet now. All right. Uh, sorry. We're going into our fourth offering? Yes. In our next film, Robin Williams plays a young boy with a rapid aging ailment <laughs> that makes him appear to be a 40-year-old man, even though he's only 10. After being homeschooled the first part of his life, mm-hmm. the emotional Jack begins a new life starting fifth grade at a public school for the very first time. The film directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Whoa. Mm. Co-stars Diane Lane, Jennifer Lopez, Fran Drescher, and Bill Cosby. From 1996, Jack. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola? This was a big movie. Rob Williams was the, one of the biggest stars in the world. Maybe the biggest comedy star, maybe after Jim Carrey. But th- th- he was a huge star when this movie came out. Thanks, Brian. No, I'm trying to give you context. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I saw it. No, definitely didn't see it. Brian? I saw it. Coppola. Now, the Coppola part makes me nervous because uh, this would be a, you know, mid-30s type offering. But Coppola could bring it up to, in Robin Williams as well, could bring it up into a light 60s situation. You know, I mean, Coppola's great director and you got Robin Williams, a great performer. Like, how bad 
could it be? Yes, Brian, how bad could it be? I guess I'll find out. <laughs> On the other hand, are they punishing Coppola yeah. for doing this? Sometimes is... the expectations. You know Who I mean? is this for? I mean, this isn't a kid's movie, is it? Do you bring your that's kids part of, to this? That's part of the problem. Okay. Yeah, exactly. This is not for kids. Okay. Hmm. Robin Williams. Okay. Okay. Everyone locked in? Yep. yep. All right, I got 46%. Yeah, this movie's awful. I got 35%. 39, baby. Oh, Jesus. Jack is rotten at 17%. Oh, I knew I went too high on that one. Mm. Mm. Were you 46? 46, right. way off. People added 49. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's a disaster. Yeah. Finally, we feature this comedy about three 30-something dudes who move into a house near a college campus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Naturally, they start their own fraternity and turn the place into a wild party pad, much to the dismay of the school's dean. Directed and co-written by Todd Phillips, the film stars Luke Wilson, Vince Vaughn, Will Ferrell, and recent podcast guest Jeremy Piven. From 2003, Old School. Speaker City. All right, so people like this movie. Fucking love oh, this yeah. movie. Yeah, it's a fun it's movie. Truly one of my favorite comedies. Uh, so you know the critics like this kind of stuff. It it can't be. It's got to be past seventy five, right? But the, Blue, you're my boy. The real question is, you know, are we at ninety one? Right. And the problem with the critics is just the big big comedies. They just. Just kind of turn their nose up yeah. at them. They'll go, oh, it's good, but it's not great. It's you know? kind of body guy oriented. <clears throat> you know, there's the right. boobs and everything. It's a yeah. certain kind of comedy. But also, you know, making people laugh for a hundred minutes consistently is a pretty tall order. And I feel like the critics should should Give embrace that a little yeah. bit, yep. a little bit more. All Frank right, Ellen Pompeo's in this. Uh, Elisha Cuthbert as a she's the young ingenue. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, I think I'm, I may be hanging on to a small lead. I'm going to uh, just kind of hang out in what I think the middle is, and that would be 80. Ooh. Oh, I went just slightly higher at 82. <clears throat> I broke my streak and went with 81. Old school is fresh. At 60%. Oh, see, this is... The people have it at 86. This, this is just snobbery yeah. on on behalf of, of, of the critics, right? It's the, a fun the, movie. It's a funny movie. Yeah. Yeah. What's it's your everything? What, you bought a ticket. Yes. You knew what you were yes. getting, right? Bunch of guys being funny, gags and whatnot. Like, what is this? And I, again, I always piss me off. It's like, yeah, the movie had some laughs, that's for yeah. sure. But, you know, well, but you what? But what? It's a, <laughs> it's a comedy. Yeah. Yes. All right. All right. If you've been following along with the game, you really have an idea of who took this one home. But I got to say, congratulations, Gina Grad. Mm-hmm. You made the podium. Thank you. With your score of one hundred seven, Ufa, placing you <laughs> firmly in either second or third place. Oh boy! Couldn't you just say we'll find one. out. <laughs> Bald Brian. Yeah, I don't think I finished second. Your score of one hundred. Oh. Really? 100 even. Whoa! Just edges out Gina Grad, but you were just on the wrong side of the ace man the entire game for the win. Adam Carolla with a score of 89. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Nobody has anything to be proud of. (laughs) No winners except for me in that group. (laughs) It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. You know how we do it. All right, Jeff Cesario is going to come in. We'll do some Chet Waterhouse as well. First, I'll tell you about Candid. There are specialists for everything, mechanics and roofers and plumbers. And uh, what about those uneven, crooked teeth, huh? You want them fixed by an orthodontist, but you don't want to spend that kind of money. Candid, invisible, comfortable, and removable aligners. Poorly reviewed or insanely priced at clear aligner companies use general dentist Candid. Only, only works with orthodontists. So these people, they only work with people that are specialists, the same experts in tooth movement, a licensed orthodontist, and they create and uh, prescribe your plan. And start to finish, they'll monitor you remotely, book an appointment at a Candid studio near you, or do it from the comfort and convenience of your home. Average treatment is just six months, costs thousands less than traditional braces, and includes free 
teeth whitening. It's Candid, right, Dawson? Candid can help you get the straighter, brighter smile you've always wanted. Right now, you can save $75 on your Candid starter kit when you get started from home. Or you can book an appointment at Candid Studio near you today. Go to CandidCO.com slash Adam and use code and use code Adam. That's CandidCO.com slash Adam. Code Adam. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. CandidCO.com slash Adam. Code Adam. Jeff Cesario's waiting in the wings. He'll be in in person. We'll do some uh, Chet Waterhouse. We'll do all that right after this. Another day, another unknown. It could bring your biggest order yet or a new cyber threat. Whatever happens, Comcast Business will keep you ready with a network that can deliver gig speeds to the most businesses. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary. 